0: This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show, presented by McConnell Automotive, on Sports Radio 105.5 FM, online at WNSP.com, and on the WNSP app. The Dew Sweepers is also brought to you by the Taylor Martino Rowan Law Firm, Stokely Garden Express, Taco Mama, and Strixon Cleveland Golf. Now, stepping up to the tee, here's Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Dew Sweepers. I am your host, Tony Ruggiero, here on the Dew Sweeper Lesson T, as I am each and every week, and we've got a really great show for you. I'm going to go over it here in just a minute. Um, Thank everybody for listening in, as I always do. It is hot really hot across the South and across the uh, majority of the country, but that means it is golf season. Lots of junior golf, lots of amateur golf. I know we uh, have the Woodall Invitational coming up next week at the Country Club of Mobile. A lot of good mid-ams coming in from around the country. I know uh, so had uh, Michael Johnson over to the house on the 4th of July, was talking a little bit about it. So uh, a lot of golf locally, a lot of golf nationally. We're getting ready for the Open Championship on the PGA Tour in just a few weeks. Corn Ferry Tour off this week going strong, but then picks back up is going strong. You've got all the major tours going, and you've got the Ladies U.S. or the Women's U.S. Open uh, out at Pebble Beach this weekend, so lots of great golf. It's hot, but it's the time to get out there, and uh, this week, as you do each and every week, you're going to hear things from all around the world of golf to help you play the game, enjoy getting better at the game, and some information to help you improve uh, from The people that are the best in the world of golf, Uh, and so before we get into all that, look, this show is always sponsored by this segment of the show. The leadoff segment of the show is always sponsored by my friends uh, at Taylor Martino and Rowan, and uh, our boy Ed Rowan uh, is—he's the best, okay. And he, there's nobody that—if you need an attorney, I hope you don't, uh, but let's face it—in this litigious society that we live in. uh where people sue all the time uh and also if you if you drive out on these roads nowadays these people drive like maniacs uh, I mean you know people to me are care less and less about other people and are respectful less and less of of other people's property so if you've been wronged where you have a claim and you need somebody to represent you to make sure that you get everything you're entitled to then you need to call taylor martino and rowan because it's like if you're trying to fix your golf game you're going to go to the dew sweepers why are you going to go to the dew sweepers you're going to go to the dew sweepers because they give you the most uh they have the they've got the most technology they've had the most success they've got the most resources all of those things so it's the same thing when you're picking an attorney folks when you pick an attorney you want the folk somebody who's got the most resources who's got the best experts and access to people to help prove your case and you want the person and the people that have had the most success, for crying out loud. You don't want to go to somebody that doesn't win. You don't want to go to somebody, uh, you know, that doesn't reclaim very claim very much of their clients. So you want to go to Taylor Martino and our friend Ed Rowan. Uh, they're the very best. They win the most. They've got the best experts. And there's nobody going to fight harder for you. So Taylor, Martino, and Rowan here in Mobile, Alabama, in South Alabama. So go. Please give our boy Ed Rowan a call. Um now we're going to get into the show a minute i got the uh i'm going to give out the shriks on cleveland golf tip of the week uh jackson court is going to come on first uh because i love bringing jackson in he always gives great perspective on all the stuff going on what we've been doing and always gives great insight and he truly is one of the great young teachers in the game i know um he's he's such an important part of my team and our career, even though he's over at Atlantic Beach, uh, and I mean he did such a wonderful job for such a good time uh, down at Lakewood at the Lakewood Golf Club. I know he's got a lot of friends down there, and still a lot of people that travel to see him at Atlantic Beach from down there when we had the when we were fortunate enough to teach down at Lakewood. Um, so, uh, going to bring Jackson on here in the first segment, and we're we're going to talk, uh, you know, a little bit about how to lower your scores and about avoiding big numbers, which I think is really critical. And and I learned that lesson early on in my teaching with uh, Hank Johnson when he brought uh, the great Peter Sanders of Shot by Shot, who over the years you've heard many times here on the Dew Sweepers. And then um, as we're doing more and more, um, uh, Clint, who produces the show, we talked about it the other day, um, uh, Clint does such a great job producing this show and my podcast. Uh, We're, we're going to expose you to more of the tour coach. There's we're, we're getting such great content. We're getting such, so many people all over the country listening to the podcast uh, and so many great comments and, messages uh and and these great guests it's we want to share them with you right and we want to expose you to the tour coach uh because it's it's such a fun project that we're working on and uh in this we're gonna we're gonna play you two segments from my sit down with uh the legendary jim McLean. okay he's a golf teacher hall of fame member uh recently on the tour coach we did a podcast on uh, Brian Manzella, who you hear a gazillion times on the Dew Sweepers, but we're, uh, we talked about who would be on the Mount Rushmore of golf instruction coaches, right? And Jim McClain was one of his four. He would certainly be one of my four, not only for – I think for diff- even more reasons than Brian. I think, one, for the longevity. Uh, he's still going strong. Two, for his biggest reason Brian put was his influence – on all the teachers he's mentored, which means a lot to me. If you listen to the show or the podcast, you know that. Um, just uh, he, he's mentored so many and brought up so many of the great teachers. I think when you listen to him, you'll understand why. And then also for his his research. He was one of the first people, I think, widely known for his research uh, and really trying to figure out what happened. And he's written so many books. Uh, everybody when it comes to golf instruction, notes Jim McLean. And so Jim and I had a wonderful sit down which stemmed from a walk at the US Open out at LA Country Club. I was walking following Ben Carr and uh, who I work with and Jim and Ben actually happened to be staying in the same place, same guest housing. And Jim was out there for Sirius XM And he was walking and following him, and he asked me to walk inside the ropes for about 30 to 45 minutes. Jim and I walked, and uh, as a golf instructor like myself, I'm fortunate to do some cool things. I'm still not starstruck, but still just so cool to me when these greats of instruction uh, asked me to walk along and spend some time with him. And it was a cool 45 minutes for me and gained lots of uh, insight. And was uh and from that we said, Hey, let's sit down and do this podcast again and we had a really nice chat and there were two particular segments. One of them comes from the golf machine, uh, where he talks a little bit about throwers and draggers and and if you've been around this area, obviously Ron Green for years taught here in Mobile was a big golf machine guy. Like uh you know, this I I just thought it was a really cool topic a really cool interview. Uh, and then we're going to, and then we're going to, we got another segment. We're going to talk a little more about, you know, kind of about the, the positions and how different people can get better. So really cool talk. And so if you like what you hear, listen to the sit down with me and Jim McClain, go to wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, uh, iTunes, you know, the app, their, their, uh, podcast section, uh, Google podcast, whatever it is, uh, and look up the tour coach. There's tons of them and some great sit downs and some great round tables. So, uh, going to check that out. But now it is time to go to the on Cleveland golf tip of the week. And this comes from, with work over with players of all abilities over the last few weeks. Uh, and, uh, it also comes from some of the work we've been doing on pro work with, uh, you know, with with uh, using the launch pro and so forth, uh, which by the way we're selling the heck out of these launch pros, unbelievable launch monitors, but uh, at Dew Sweepers downtown. But um, one of the best things that every one of you could do to get better doesn't involve taking a lesson. Uh, it would involve taking your. I'm going to just say your eight iron and below. Okay, and if you took your eight iron and below, and you went out to the range and you got your launch pro you got your quad your track band or you just shot used a used your laser used your pro xe and you went out there and you took every one of those irons and you hit two or three balls with it hit where you hit a good solid one and you hit the eight iron and you took it back what you felt like was halfway back what you felt like was three quarters or shoulder heights back and then you took one full and you took your phone, or you took your note, little notebook out, and you wrote down those yardages. And you did that for eight, nine wedge, sand wedge, gap wedge, all of your scoring clubs. I, you know, you could do eight iron, you could do nine iron, that whatever you could would consider a scoring club, right? And you wrote those yardages down. And and we're talking carry distance, not rollout. It would help every one of you tremendously with scoring and how you navigate around the golf course. The older I get, the more I teach, the more I'm around great players, the more I think that we can help so many of you by understanding how to navigate your way around the golf course and start understanding some of the finer points and the details of scoring, which one big one is just knowing how far you hit your scoring clubs and making a distance matrix. And understand that this is how far it goes when I do this. This is how far it goes when I do that, so forth. I think every one of you would become a better player. I'm convinced of it because when I watch regular players, recreational players, club level players, amateur golfers, weekend warriors play, so many of them like they just hit a full shot. They have their it's 155. They hit their seven iron. They think it goes about that, and sometimes it runs through the green. Sometimes it comes up short, and they don't hit as many greens. So many golfers, I just don't hit enough greens. And, like, yeah, we work on their pivot. We fix their path and their face and these things. But most of them just don't even know how the heck far they hit it, how far they carry it, and how to fit different distances that you get. You don't always get a full distance in, you know, how do you hit an in-between shot? Like, so, and they they don't know how to fit that in, right? So that is a huge part of scoring. Try that. Go make yourself a distance matrix. Go get your launch program out on the range. Take your scoring clubs. Write down the carry distance for every one of those clubs, eight iron down, halfway back, three quarterback, fullback, and then apply that next time you play. I promise you, you'll play better golf. And that, my friends, is the Shrixon Cleveland Golf Tip of the Week. We want to remind every one of you, everything you need to play better golf is available for you at DewSweepersgolf.com. We'll be right back with Jackson Court and then some of the tour coach with Jim McClain.
0: Watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough. This is the Deuce Sweepers Golf Show on WNSP, presented by McConnell Automotive. Once again, your host, Tony Rogiro.
1: Welcome back into the Dew Sweepers, everybody. Once again, I'm your host, Tony Ruggiero on the Dew Sweepers Golf Show and the Dew Sweepers Lesson T on this 4th of July weekend, uh, follow, weekend following the 4th of July. Hopefully everybody, uh, beating the heat and is enjoying, uh, their 4th of July break. I know we all are as well. And so, uh, but joining me now here on the Dew Sweeper Lesson T, um, he's over in Jacksonville. If he wasn't in Jacksonville, he would be over here at Stokely's Midtown Garden Center because they have got an unbelievable selection of water features and water fountains. It's impressive. Uh, you need to check it out. But Stokely's Midtown Garden Center, everything you need for your, for your yard, uh, for your back porch, these uh, water features and fountains are amazing. They're going to make anybody look like you're uh, – it's going to look like you're – like one of those casinos in Vegas. Is what it's going to look like after you walk out of uh, Stokely's Midtown Garden Center. So check them out there at the Loop on Government. And now joining me is Jackson Court at Jackson K Golf from uh, over at Atlantic Beach. Jackson, what you doing, Bud?
2: Tony, I'm uh, just sweating it out a little bit. I wore my my blue pants for the Fourth of July week, and that was a mistake. But uh, we're trying. to... Uh, I would have thought trying you'd trying to to gone cool with the white pants. I would have thought, you, yeah, white pants. Well, I should have, but I didn't do laundry, so I'm behind
1: the eight ball. <laughs> oh, shoot. Surprise. Well, look, I learned way back, um, you know, I you've heard me talk about Peter Sanders and shot-by-shot golf, and, and uh, you know, early on in my career with Hank, you know, he, he would spend some time with us at some camps, and it, it, come down to Sandestin over there and some teaching, and he always stressed that the difference between, like, Breaking eighty, breaking ninety, and those different tiers was the severity and the number of errors that players make. Okay, okay, and he defined an error like as if you were a hundred yards out and you miss the green, or you're in the bunker and you don't get it on the green. Those types of things, right? Or a tee shot where you can't advance okay. it, or a tee shot where you can't advance it to the green you have to pitch out and then a penalty shot is you know a more severe error those types of things and i always found that fascinating um and 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 the longer i coach the more i i agree with it and I i had a really good conversation the other day with a really good college player george birch who you know here plays at troy and uh Who's done? Just I, I got to give him credit too because I've been on his butt before when I didn't think he was, uh, you know, where I thought we could be making more progress. He's made some unbelievable strides. Golf swings as good as it's ever been, but more importantly, he's learning how to play golf. Right? Yeah. And one of the things we talked about the other day was a player with his ability and his length making bogeys on par fives. Yeah. Right. And and I think bogeys on par fives. For almost anybody listening to us, I mean, like, you get three shots to get it there if you're playing the appropriate tees. Uh, You know, nobody should make doubles on par fives. I mean, those are the things that drive me crazy. Uh, But we talked about, like, how you approach the hole. Like, hey, if I've hit a big drive and I've got a six iron doesn't still mean that if the you don't fly it at it if you can't hold the green and it's going to go through like where do you start thinking about where you leave the ball i'd like to talk about eliminating errors with you what are your thoughts on that and how do you help players think their way around the golf course
2: yeah i love this because this is like playing golf and getting the ball in the hole and lowering your score right and i think to to touch on that before we we dive deeper i had uh you know, I had those boys from Huntington in town uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago. They we're doing some great work, right? And then they both – I had two out of three of them playing a tournament recently, and I just caught up with them, and they're like, man, I hit it great, but I just made stupid mistakes. And I talked to the other person. I said, yeah, I hit it fine. I just hit, made stupid mistakes. They both texted me separately saying that they made stupid mistakes. Right. So, like, there's way more to golf than golf swing and how you hit it, right? Like, you can – you can hit it bad and score good, and you can, sorry, you can hit it bad, score good, you can hit it good and score bad. So I think that's like learning to play. And where I would start, if we're going to be a little bit more specific, is probably with some sort of stats, right? I think you have to have some way to actually track where you're losing strokes, okay? And maybe it's obvious and maybe it's not. Maybe you'd be surprised where, you know, you think you have a decent short game and your short game is actually horrible. Um, or maybe, you know, you can get better off the tee and you think you actually drive it good. So doing some stats and having a way to track your progress and create a plan with your local dew sweeper is 100% where I would start. But I think if you're talking about eliminating errors, you know, I think doubles like big numbers – is for sure my number one, three putts, right, and compounding errors. Like, you hit one out in the trees. Now is not your time to hit a rescue shot after you just hit one bad. Right. Punch it into the fairway, take your medicine, hit one up there. Like, you should be able to make bogey. So like, you think about a par four, you hit a bad one over there into the, the trees. If you were to take an eight iron and just advance it, like a little pitch shot down the fairway and then you hit a wedge onto the green, hopefully from, you know, a hundred yards, you two putt and you make bogey and you leave and you go to the next hole and you never make more than a double. I think that's that's kind of one theory, right? Three putts, which, um, you know, is kind of my soft spot with short game. Um, And then, yeah, compounding errors, like don't make big numbers. And, I really don't think it's that difficult to get rid of big numbers. How would you address that?
1: No, I agree. I think big numbers come most of the time there there obviously there's holes, golf courses, and situations where you do hit a bad shot, and there's just you know it's whatever it's impossible to avoid it, but that's few and far between. majority of big numbers come from bad decisions after a bad shot, mm. and I think that uh you know I learned early on. And it was beat into my head, um, you know that that the number when you hit a ball out of position. So, you know, you know, obviously we've talked before. You know, you evaluate the lie. What what can you get up? Get if you can't get to the green, you know, what can you do? But like your number one job when the ball is out of position is to what is the longest club that you can hit to where with certainty the ball's back in play.
2: Mm-hmm and now,
1: certainty with certainty right and 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 i and i think that if the majority of recreational golfers listened to us took that approach they'd play better and that doesn't mean 50-50 i can get it through that window <laughs> right? Uh, right right now obviously there's situations and tour players play things different coming down the stretch and yeah but but generally speaking they play the odds the best players play the odds in their favor. What can I reasonably assume I'm going to get this ball back in play?
2: Yeah. I think you said two things there that were really important. Number one, certainty, right? And if you don't have certainty over a shot, obviously you shouldn't pull the trigger on it or you need to learn that shot, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a pit shot. Maybe, you know, it's a trouble shot. And like learning those shots is, is incredibly important. Okay. So I I love that certainty. And then the other word you said was decision. Okay. And I think obviously we can talk about scoring and the different ways to do it. But if you're going to invest in lessons and you're trying to get better, I would also take your local two sweeper for a playing lesson mm-hmm. and go on the golf course and play nine holes because that's where they'll see it in action. And they might like, when I take people out there for lessons, I am very, very rarely talking about swing technique Right And things they should be working on. Now, I think if I've done my job previously, they kind of know what they're working on. They know how to do it in their pre-shot routine. And then they're over the ball with, you know, like one feel or one thing that they're trying to accomplish. But most of the time out there, it's their process, right? It's how they select clubs. It's their decision-making process. It's everything away from swing technique. Like I had a lesson just the other day with a lady who thought that when there's trouble on the right side, you'd tee up on the left, right? So she's basically aiming herself into trouble and we switch that around and I think that'll help her for sure. And then, you know, we get around the greens and her decision-making process, which with, with what club to, to hit, was atrocious. It wasn't anything technique-wise. It
1: was just selection.
2: But, you know, it, it was just selection and decision, right? So I think in, you know, in an hour watching her play five holes because, you know, the course was empty and we got to zip around and hit a bunch of different shots. We changed some of her routine, analyzed and was able to make better decisions on around the greens and what shots she could hit or what clubs she would choose and then where to tee it up if she was, you know, if she had a tight hole because out here at Atlantic Beach, there's a bunch of trouble off the tee. And I think that was, you know, three things that she can do without really thinking or working on her swing that'll help her
1: lower her scores Jackson awesome stuff let everybody know how to find you how to reach you and get more info that was really good yeah. stuff
2: best way is probably just through Instagram at Jackson Golf. Um, doing lessons on Skillist as well And feel free to reach out with any questions
1: That's awesome stuff. That's Jackson Court at Jackson K Golf. I'm Tony Ruggiero at the Dew Sweeper. You can also find all kinds of content from us on our YouTube channel, the Dew Sweepers. Just go on YouTube and check that out uh, as well. And as always, we're putting content and information out there. Jackson's in a great bit of it each and every day, every week, to help you play better golf. I'm Tony Ruggiero. The Dew Sweepers Golf Show is going to be right back with more help for your golf game.
0: This is the Deuce Sweepers Golf Show, live on 105.5 FM and WNSP.com. Keep it in the fairway with Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero.
1: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here on the Deuce Sweepers Golf Show. You're about to sit down and listen to a conversation I had with Jim McLean, one of the legends of instruction. On the Tour Coach podcast. If you like what you hear, sitting down with me and Jim, go on to wherever you get your podcast and listen to the Tour Coach. Just type in the Tour Coach, and there's lots of interviews, lots of sit downs with lots of great guests from all the world of golf. So enjoy Jim McLean and myself helping you play better golf. So you, you sent me some notes, which I love. Some things to you know, back and forth to talk about, and, and so I'm picking some things out here that that interest me. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, I'd like you to expand on throwers and draggers, talk a little bit about that, um, you know, and then just kind of go a little bit into the golfing machine and dragging, uh, if you don't mind discussing that a little bit, because I think there's – and, you know, here's one thing, too, I do want – you know, I want to ask you – you've been doing research and I, you know, I've wa- watched all the stuff on social media, talked to you, obviously, Carl Welty, uh, you know, you were doing research before it was popular to do research. I've seen those pictures of you at the super station, the old, you know, with the wires on and, um, you know, and then kind of, you know, take us through draggers and throwers and, you know, and then all this science stuff that's out there now, how much of it is really new, Jim, or is this stuff that we've all known, for a bunch of years or that people like you have figured out uh, and so forth and and maybe you know because to me when you turn on social media and you look at things it's like everybody comes out with something new everybody puts something it's like like they're trying to show they're the first person that's ever thought of it and they've got something brand new nobody's ever heard of that's going to fix your golf swing so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the draggers and the throwers but then talk a little bit about your research and and really how much of the information that's out there is brand new
3: okay wow that's a lot that's a
1: i know uh, a i probably loaded you too much there
3: <laughs> well it's all great stuff though and it's all super interesting things to me um yeah a lot of teachers maybe no credit or they have heard somebody say something they don't really know where it came from um that bothers me a little bit mm-hmm. um because i think there's been a lot of great teaching in the past that's that's really discovered a lot of uh, what we think is brand new right now. I think we have better ways of saying things. I think we have better ways of displaying information, of course, with uh, biomechanics and uh, launch monitors and things that the uh, student can see. I think that's a huge step forward. Uh, But a a lot of these things were discussed, you know, way back. Right. Um, I, I was, I was, fortunate i got taught by a really good player um when i was younger his name was al menger but he worked for claude Harmon at wingfoot and he'd worked for tommy armor at Boca which you know two legendary yes. uh, players and they were, they were players and teachers they won majors but they also taught a lot which is a pretty interesting combination um and then i got uh, al menger went to oak oakland hills in detroit i I was in seattle washington so he he went away and then i was okay i missed the tour school night that's when i first went to the golf machine with ben doyle okay and ben doyle brought the golf machine to the world from homer kelly's Mm writing in seattle Ben was a good player i played with ben and he got me down this road of you know the golf machine, you know, and, and for me, all the golf machine guys for forever taught what what they called a, a dragging method or the hitting method. Um, okay. Hitters and swingers in the golf machine. So, you know, that's where I kind of got the throwers and draggers because I just felt like it was much more descriptive uh, for, for the people I taught. Yeah. And when I looked at uh, ball strikers… What's been so interesting are the great players who you could say were throwers, guys like Tiger Woods and Greg Norman and Jack Nicklaus, who didn't take divots, you know, but just skim the grass and had a full release when you watched it on video. uh, Very least. But then you could go to the, to the draggers, uh, or the people that hold the face off, have very little face rotation, more body rotation, and you could put Colin Morikawa, Lee Trevino, and a Hovland in that group uh, who are very easy to see different from a uh, Nicholas or, or Tiger who are super uh, and really let the club go. And, and then you look at right, right now with uh, Colin Morikawa being the best uh, iron player I've uh, on the planet and compare him to tiger woods who was by far the best iron player <laughs> of the era, which that wasn't that long ago. Um, and they're doing it and they got completely different releases. So that's what I'm looking at. And, and then I see, so sometimes you're teaching people to drag more, create more leg. And sometimes you're getting them to have more throw. So there's sort of a hybrid area in the middle of all this, but, um, you can overdo. I think you can really overdo the dragging Yeah. Uh, for me with the golf machine, with the head being like uh, the, the centerpiece, the uh, centered turn idea. There's different, a lot of different things really in what Homer Kelly wrote. There's a lot of things. I'm just talking about what was being taught.
1: Right. Right. That book.
3: And, um, you know, so it, it, it wasn't great for me, really, with my golf swing, but it really helped me with my teaching. And the other <laughs> thing is the idea of position teaching really struck – you know, it was great for me because it really helped my teaching. Uh, ben had the sequence camera. That's the first time I saw that. Uh, that was the camera that you you pulled sheet out. You, you loaded it up and you pulled the sheet out and it developed in one minute, and uh, it would give eight frames. And uh, for me, I could – you have a little dial on the side and you could you could quickly realize that a lot of people uh everybody has maybe a little different timing and tempo and amateurs who are trying to swing slower were already uh about 10 times slower than a than a tour player um <laughs> yeah. so we're trying you know, they're trying to swing slower like i still hear people say that and and that's an interesting thing but uh, that's when i saw uh, the the framing and with Car- working with carl welty we did so much work on uh we had two tvs up there and, and we would draw with a dry erase marker we kind of kept that secret <laughs> for a long time yeah uh, as we studied things uh and to see um we and back then we didn't know there wasn't anything like today but we we all we studied the players that had won two, two majors and we will look closely there were 17 of them and we tried to look closely if, if they did anything the same and that's how we, that's how i really started doing the studies with uh, carl welty
1: that's fascinating um let's talk about the eight step swing um, because mm-hmm. you know read through your notes familiar with it obviously uh you know i i Like I'm, I think all teachers, don't you think they all have some preferences? Like if you had a raw, like if you had a raw canvas, like, you know, a 13, a 14 year old that mean was super talented or 13 year old, and you could do whatever you want. You have preferences and lots of these are in my, would be in my preferences. So let's talk a little bit about the eight step swing, kind of how you got to it. And let's, and, and, you know, let's just talk about it, how it can help folks.
3: Well, I think, um, Setup is something that most teachers would agree on. I yes. think most people, if they look at Tiger Woods' setup, which is kind of like a little model I've kind of used, mm-hmm. would say, Yeah, that's a pretty good setup. It would be tough. You could, you could use other players, but most great players set up pretty good. Pretty close. <laughs> <to you>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was not an in swing step. Um, the first move off the golf ball for, to me was uh, the. Important, and I, I got that a lot from Ken Venturi. I, I played a ton with, and I watched him teach uh, John Cook and Tom Watson and what tons of other players. But but he was a real big Ben Hogan guy, and okay. Byron Nelson had taught him. So he, he really worked on the first part of the swing, like the first three feet off. So I, that's the area that I look at a lot, that, that things are moving away together. And then, you know, halfway back, I think Tony halfway back was probably taught three or four hundred years ago. Right. You know, I think teachers kind of look at a halfway back position to see where the shaft is pointed, the angle of the club face, how far the arms are away from the body, et cetera. So that was a big spot. Um, And then the next place was when the club... Uh, got to the three-quarter position, left arm parallel, and then top of the swing, four. And then we had two spots. If I want to say this. I wrote this book with 12 positions uh, when I started, which included the setup. Um, but I tried to sell this book for a long time. <laughs> and I finally got to a Sports Illustrator was interested in doing it. And they said, we'll do six steps, six positions, because nobody can think of eight places. It's just too too complicated. Nobody wanted, you know, really to do the book. Um, until, you know, I started having some more success with writing with um, Golf Illustrated than Golf Magazine cover pieces. Right. And uh, finally, I got um, uh, Random House to set, would do eight, eight positions. So I did, I did eight. And uh, then that got down to impact was step six, halfway through step seven and finish position step eight. I know you know uh, You know a lot of times we'll work on people just going to a good finish. And a lot of times just constantly working in person, getting to a good finish, getting to a tall, uh, balanced finish up, up on off the back toe, fully over to the left side. A lot of times working on that helps their whole swing. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty amazing, you know?
1: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. You've been listening to me and Jim McClain from one of our Tour Coach podcast episodes help you with your game. We'll be right back
0: with more help for your golf game. Watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough. This is the Deuce Sweepers Golf Show on WNSP, presented by McConnell Automotive. Once again, your host, Tony Ruggiero. But to me, working on positions, when people know what they're supposed to do after they leave a
3: lesson, I give them drills for whatever area of their swing they need to do. Uh, I think that's been huge for me. And you do hear other people somewhat, you know, in the old days, I would say going back a long time ago that thinking about positions would be a very bad way to, to teach that you had to teach the whole swing. Um, you can think of, you know, a to b to c to d you know right but you know i'm not teaching 12 places when i when i watch somebody and work with somebody i'm using that as a diagnostic tool right because i know from doing this for 45 years of of doing these swing studies and that where those safety zones are that we don't there's no perfect backswing for example there's there's things that are important in a backswing but where that club goes, you could go like from John Rahm to Rory McIlroy to Scotty Scheffler right now with three of the greatest players in the world and just see an uh, amazing difference in where the uh, the left arm is in at the swing and where the wrist is. Right. And, uh, is John Rahm a better ball striker than Scotty Scheffler? It's pretty close. Yeah. But it's a very big difference uh, from a very short swing, a super bowed wrist, to Scheffler with a very upright swing and a little cup in the left wrist. And um, I think people, more teachers are recognizing this. So you can't teach one thing. You, and you have to have, but you have to have, um, you have to have a really good idea of what you're trying to do. You can't just be, you, you, you can't tell a person, this is what I want you to do. Uh, you can't just say, just swing through and don't feel anything, which is what a great you know what a great player says when they hit a great shot.
1: Yeah, they all I, say they didn't.
3: What would know, what, you feel there? Nothing. I didn't feel it. Felt great. You know that you can't teach nothing.
1: So I would get your. I want to get your opinion on on couple things here you touched on them so like the for, let's start with the backswing there's people out there that say the backswing doesn't matter I, I disagree with that because to me from my experience it almost seems like the better the player especially as you know we're dealing with you know say tour players whatever like it seems like the I do more setup work and backswing work and then you touched on you know getting people to go to the finish you know then when I do golf schools and you, you have you know mid handicappers maybe people that aren't as great aren't as athletic Getting the, it seems like with them, oftentimes forward swing stuff like going to the finish helps them better. Is that? Am I crazy on that? What are your thoughts on that?
3: No, I think when you when you focus on um, from impact to, through the through the ball, that changes down swings mm-hmm. uh, for them. To, in order to do that, whether you want them to get the club more out, let's say for a right hander, more out to the right or more out to the left. And that will change their, um, their move down in, into impact. So that could, that could be important. I don't, want you to, I don't want anybody to think I don't think the backswing is important because I focus, right. I mean, with the factor that I wrote, I mean, that's all about, you know, h- how you um, create power in the swing, uh, the differential that you create between the hips, the knees, the hips, and the shoulders in the backswing, how the head moves in the backswing, so I'm looking like that, you know, very carefully on, on how things are, are sequencing and how they're moving and how the body is loading up on the backswing. Um, and, and how you, how you use your pivot points and you know, how, how much, how much movement there is. Those are really important things to me.
1: No question. No question. And, and again, you know, you go back to the X factor, uh, I mean, these are all things that are being taught nowadays. I mean, I spend a ton of time, obviously, with, uh, you know, fitness people, helping people learn to load and stable lower bodies mm-hmm. and winding into their trail side. I mean, this is all stuff. I mean, like the stuff I'm teaching isn't new. It's stuff you've talked about before. You know, and that's kind of where we started with this is, you know, that I don't know that there is a lot of new stuff. And I think that's, again, going right. back to where I started, why it's important why it's important to spend time around and be mentored by people who've got a lot of experience. You know, you can't replace 45 years of experience in one day, less than 45, you know?
3: No. Well, like working with Venturi was a big Hogan guy. And then I got really studying Hogan because also, um, Mr. Harmon, was a huge Hogan guy and um, Manger it was. And so reading carefully, it took me a lot of times to read paragraphs over and over to try and understand what he was saying. But you know, what was resistance?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, when I wrote the X factor. One of the things that I was, I saw was, and I spent quite a bit of time with Sam Snead too, but was that the 4590 was just a, a nice idea. But mm-hmm. I saw a lot of, to me, a lot of guys, men and women turning a lot more than 90 degrees of shoulder turn right um i finally i got a a, a great chance to um sorry this thing's ringing here sorry oh it's okay uh, a, a great chance to um have michael McTagg, who had a sports motion trainer from san francisco after i'd written this thing and we came out and, and put that trainer on uh maybe 80 guys at the PGA because they were interested. Uh, Peter Jacobson helped me a lot on that uh, with his great personality, bringing a lot of guys over there. We we brought it down to the front of the range. It didn't take long to put, put this thing on him and we do that haven't hit a few drivers and they were very interested in, in looking at the swing and I actually had quite a few guys come to me afterwards um, after the X factor to work on, on power generation. But yeah, it turns out that this, um, this differential, and I think biomechanics is proving this more and more with Gears and other, other biomechanics uh, professors and people in this business, of this differential is, is very substantial. Um, there's been some guys that want you to sh- you know, straighten the right leg out. Uh, I kind of disagree with that. I don't, definitely don't want to see a, a person straighten that le- back leg up and, and lock it. But the knee always has movement. I think there is resistance in the lower body going back uh, for the younger players for sure. Uh, so they can get a, a big shoulder turn, uh, a short arm swing, and a resisting lower body that just explodes on the way forward. Well, that's where the explosion has right. going forward. Um, and you increase the X factor. Uh, which is the differential between the shoulders and the hips, the shoulders, uh, I mean, the hips separate away from the shoulders starting down, which increases the X. Um, and that is one power generator. Um, that's is fun to look at.
1: No, I love, I love that stuff. Um, I, fantastic and and people should read go back and read the book if they haven't already uh, le, before one other thing I want to touch on before I ask you a, a last question is let's talk about okay. uh, let's talk about the stop and go drill i I love drills I, you know I like to give folks drills I like them that are more simple than complicated something that they 'll actually maybe do uh, talk a little bit about that explain how you yeah. came up with it and what it's good for because folks listen to this you know we also have a lot of it's crazy. I didn't know this when we started doing this, but we have tons of young teachers and teachers that listen to this. And you know, heck, this is something that could help some teachers out there.
3: Well, in the in the late seventies, uh, well, in the seventies, I was playing uh, all the you know tournaments in the Mets section, and I, I saw a guy who had a really funky swing. <laughs> we we were out on a, on a range, just a field, and I I was watching him, and he was. He knew he had a really funny backswing and he would take the club up and stop at the top. And then he would look up at his hands and he'd move the club around. And then he would try to bring the club down and then he'd go up and he'd do it over again. He did this quite a few times. So it got me thinking, that's that's a really cool idea to actually go up and s- stop and, and look at it. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I could go up and stop and, and actually hit a golf ball doing this. So I went back to, um, this is a Westchester country club. And I went back there where I was teaching there and, you know, you could go up to the top and stop and hit the ball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of experimented a little bit. And then I actually, I put that in the first book I wrote, I wrote was um, uh, the drills book, the golf digest book of drills. And then when I started speaking, I would, you know, talk about that was, you know, uh, all of these things. We, we even did five day schools for the PGA for playing where we'd have 20, 25 pros come and we'd work with mm-hmm. them for five straight days so you had to have a lot of drills to do and i always loved drills and this was just one of them but i showed it to a lot of people and uh, i used this drill with re- the guy i use it the most with it had a tremendous amount of success was peter jacobson and also hal sutton and uh, hal really really liked it a lot uh, after, after he could do it it's a funny drill to do because at first you you know even a good player might top it, might, might take them 10 or 15 miles <laughs> until they get going. But uh, I did show it to a lot, of, a lot of teachers. And I think, like now I've seen uh, Victor Hovland does that drill a lot. Yeah. I saw him doing it at Oklahoma State. Uh, my son played at Oklahoma State a little before him. But I would see the, the pictures of him going up and stopping and then whipping it down. And, of course, uh, Matsuyama played that way Yeah, with a complete stop at the top. He's kind of taking that out right now, but, um, and some guys are really slow at the top. Um, So I think it's, I would say this guy, uh, I didn't, so I didn't really invent the drill, but I I kind of invented (laughs) hitting the ball with the drill. (laughs) And and it's been a good one. I've used it with a lot of, you know, a lot of good players. Yeah, Uh, no, it's great. A lot of guys, you know, to go up and, and feel where you are at the top, where's your pressure. How much weight do you have in your back foot? Uh, how much weight do you have in the in the front foot? And then, you know, how you start down. So the, uh, it's really good for people who are too fast with their hips and they get up, uh, or too fast with their shoulders, uh, so they can um, they can get a real feel of kind of getting more connected starting down. I would say this is really more for the better player. Right.
1: Though. Right. For sure. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. You've been listening to myself and Jim McClain here on the Do Sweepers Golf Show from a Tour Coach podcast. If you like what you've heard and you like my sit-down with some of the greats in the game of golf like Jim McClain all trying to help you play better, head to wherever you get your podcast and listen to the Tour Coach podcast. You'll like what you hear. It'll help your golf game. Always informative, always entertaining. I'm Tony Ruggiero. The Do Sweepers Golf Show and the Tour Coach Podcast will be back next week with more help for your golf game.